Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh, Fuck Yeah! with Ruin Willow podcast. That's right, the Oh, Fuck Yeah! And you can now get Oh, Fuck Yeah! on a shirt. Check down in the podcast notes for my bonfire store where you could get a shirt or a tank top that says Oh, Fuck Yeah! On my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex and sexuality, sexual health and wellness, erotica, all things to help you have better sex. Why? Because I am passionate about you having a better sex life with yourself and with others. Today, I have a very special treat for you. I have an amazing woman. I This is an epic talk. I am serious. This is so so helpful for people. My guest today is Dr. Christy Overstreet, and she is amazing. But if you are under 18, it is time to leave the podcast now, baby love. I am sorry, but this is geared towards adults only because we talk about sex, baby. Yes, yes, we do. And today I am so excited to present to you my discussion with Dr. Christy Overstreet. I recently re-listened to this and I was just like, wow, this blows me away. This is amazing. And I have to say, it will be so helpful to you. Who is Dr. Christy Overstreet? Well, I can tell you she's a podcaster just like me. She is your Southern sex therapist, a clinical sexologist, certified sex therapist, psychotherapist, author, speaker, and podcast host. She hosts the podcast Fix Yourself First, which focuses on fixing yourself so that you can have better relationships and have more confidence and feel empowered and connected in all your relationships. She's amazing. She has been on multiple different platforms, really big platforms, and really, really does a amazing job educating and helping people. And she also focuses on helping healthcare providers give respectful and dignified care to LGBTQIA plus individuals. She has a great quiz to help you figure out your needs. And I am so ready to dive into the discussion with her. You need to stick around. We talk about shedding shame. We talk about intimacy and the different types of intimacy and how you can have better relationships. We talk about boundaries, fantasies, orgasms, the dom sub dynamic, so many things. You will be amazed and you'll be entertained. You will learn and it will help you. So here we go. Hello, everyone. I am really, really super excited to talk with this person. She has a lot of special things to say that can really help people. And so I'm really excited to share what she has to say. Her name is Dr. Christy Overstreet. And welcome, Christy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. I would love for you to tell us about your amazing career and all that you do. Well, I guess the easiest way to explain it is I spend my days helping people connect better with themselves and others 
whether it's intimacy, sex, relationships, communication, both in their personal and their professional lives. So yeah, I get to talk about sex all day, but it's a <laughs> lot more, as you know, to sex and just physical intimacy. So I, I have a pretty, pretty exciting and never the same hour twice job. Mm, I bet. And you, I was perusing your site and you have so many education things under your belt. And that is amazing. I mean, what, what a great resource you are for people. Yeah. You know, going to come into be totally accidentally. This was not my path. I was not supposed to be a sex therapist. I wasn't supposed <laughs> to be a therapist at all, but then definitely not a sex therapist. I didn't even know something like this existed. And the, the path really found me after going through my own personal failures with my career and kind of that trajectory of what I was on. And thank goodness, I just kind of pivoted through lots of hardships, but really found my path. And the sex therapy specialization, including the LGBTQIA plus healthcare area of focus, it really found me and I'm so grateful for it because it's really fulfilling to get to help support and you know help people navigate their own journeys with themselves and others. Yeah, that is something that when I noticed that, I thought, wow, what a thing because you don't really see that anywhere else. And that is a huge piece that can really help open people's eyes and just help them be more sensitive. Yes. And sensitive and really gets them to look at their own stuff, right? Their own sure. bias, conscious or unconscious, but like how they see the world. And if everyone can just shift a little bit to a healthier perspective of themselves and others, like the world's a better place. So that's one of my goals. Absolutely. So as I was perusing your Instagram, I also noticed you talk an awful lot about intimacy and so how do you define intimacy? Do you have a like a set thing that you can you've developed to describe intimacy? Yeah, from my standpoint, I see intimacy as connection. And so we replace intimacy with connection because we have all kind of different kinds of intimacy or connections. A lot of times we think of intimacy as sex. And so mm -hmm. that's just physical intimacy, which is extremely important. I mean, I'm a sex therapist, so I'm Right. pro-sex and sex positive, <laughs> but there are different aspects of that intimacy connection that really just adds to or addition to physical intimacy. So what you can do is think of, if I say intimacy, I'm meaning connection. If I'm saying physical intimacy, I may be talking about some type or form of sex. Mm. Uh, for example, you know, some of us need an emotional connection or emotional intimacy in order to really feel safe, secure, and to really open up sexually or in our relationships, or maybe we need communication intimacy where we really connect over talking to one another or better understanding. Therefore, we're able to better connect physically. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and I think that since we're all different, it can be hard for sometimes for people to reach that point because one may not, one person may not understand the other person's feelings on that or the re needs regarding that. Yeah, it, it's really easy to to miss that because we really get caught, which is normal in our own, like, what do I need? What mm -hmm. am I, what is my desire? What am I craving? So it's like balancing that with, with the partners, like, what do they need? What do they want? What do they desire? And how can we collaborate to get both and all needs met in a healthy way for the relationship as a whole? Absolutely. And I think to definitely want to touch on this area of where a lot of people have difficulty communicating their sexual needs you know, some partners just completely shut down and refuse to talk about it. You know, it's just, what do you tell people about a good pathway when they're having difficulty talking about that? 
Well, start with how normal it is, that it's difficult to talk about. Most of us, me included, were raised maybe in homes or family systems where talking about sex was taboo. You, mm-hmm. you didn't have it, much less talk about it. Right. So that, that gives us an opportunity, unfortunately, to grow a lot of shame around mm-hmm. sex, sexuality, sexual self. And our sexual desires and needs. And if it fits, if it doesn't fit in that box of what tradition normalization says it's supposed to look like, then we equate something must be wrong with me. Or if I have a need or desire and I share it with someone I'm in a relationship with and they say, you're weird or that's that's not okay," or what's wrong with you or you're abnormal. That adds to that shame. And then that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger within ourselves, which causes us to shut down. So when we go to have a conversation, there's fear. And whether it's conscious or unconscious, it might be the fear that if I tell them what I'm into, if I tell them what I really want them to do to me, for me, with me, they're going to judge me. They're going to leave me. They're going to say something's wrong with me. And then everything I thought about myself is validated and true. So what a good reason to push off conversation, avoid conversation, point the finger at the other person. Like there's a whole kind of things that we do with our defense mechanisms that make those conversations really hard. And so much of it starts with the shame we have about ourselves. Right. I think that's a huge thing. There's a lot of sexual shame and, you know, people in I write erotica too, and people can feed on that. It actually can be something that actually can grow your passion or your experience, but it can also go the complete opposite way and just shut you down. So it's something that everybody, I think everybody grapples with at some point or another, but it's just, I think though, if people are having shame, I don't know, how do you get rid of the shame? I mean, what do you do? <laughs> That's a great question. And I really wish there was like this button or this pill or this, if I do one, two and three goes away. Mm-hmm. But kind of think of it is, it's going to be a process, mm-hmm. but it starts with what am I telling myself? Like, cause what the shame is, is messages and thoughts. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's towards yourself or own inner critic. And then most of the time is added on by our experiences or past partners, or maybe trauma that happened to mm-hmm. us at some point. And so these messages get in our head and what happens is it fuels that. So we have to say, like, what are these messages? And I recommend everybody to write these out. Do not stay in your head. Don't think you can process this in your head. Like mm. it's a, it's a very um, kind of crazy place up in our heads. And so <laughs> we have to get it out because when we get it out, it gets outside of ourselves. And then we can look at it a little bit more logically. Mm-hmm. And when you write down these messages, then you can say, wait a minute, which of these are actually true? And which of them are really, I don't have any evidence where they're not true, or I can look at and reframe in a different sort of way. So moving from this place of shame that I am the problem and go maybe to, okay, sometimes I have problems or sometimes I make mistakes, but I am not the mistake. And that poises us from this place of deep shame to maybe something we might feel a little guilty about that we can work through or separating our needs, wants, and desires from us as a person and really looking at those in a healthy way. Because like you said, with your writing and work, it can fuel us. It can help us have Mm -hmm. more pleasurable experiences. And there are people out there that can kind of help you walk through your your needs, wants, and desires in case you can't have those on your normal day-to-day experiences. Right. What I think is just fascinating too is that in some ways, our shame can, can feed a fantasy. And then you kind of have to get yourself to a place where you're kind of okay with that to be able to enjoy it. Otherwise, it just kind of stays in the back corner and it just never gets addressed or it's just kind of this nasty little 
rot that you like, but yet you feel bad about it at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like this mental gymnastics at times uh-huh. that we play trying to figure out, okay, is this like good shame, bad shame? <laughs> Meaning right. if, if I like the humiliation factor, if I like to be belittled, if I like to mm. be really small and whatever might be happening, especially in the area of kink, it can be like, wait a minute, like that feels, that's a good thing in the sense of it's what I, I like, it's what I need, it's what I desire. It's part of the flavor of, you know, spice that I like. So I'm not going to add that to this negative shame that I have about like, what's wrong with me? Like, why right. would I not use that if I'm in a safe, secure and accepting space to fuel me and find some acceptance of that? Because there is a difference. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that it, you know, like reading erotica or watching porn makes it a little bit safer because it's not focused on us. It's not, it's, it's more indirect. It's not, yeah. no, go ahead. <laughs> You're right. That way we can see it almost like projected onto someone or something else while mm-hmm. we experience it versus having to take a hard line and say, oh, this is, it's that separation and sometimes a healthy disassociation, a healthy disassociation of it. Right. Oh yeah. I can totally understand that. So tell me about your podcast. So your podcast is Fix Yourself First, right? Yes, that's it. And I've had it for a few years now. My goal is to, you know, have this space where we can come together and find ways to improve how we connect with ourselves and others by starting with the end. Because I have my own history of like pointing my finger at every partner in my past, how unhealthy they were, how they were the problem, how Mm -hmm. they caused all the drama. And at the end of the day, it was me. Now, I'm not saying they were perfect. Like they had their own stuff too because they were human. But Mm -hmm. so much of the problem and issue was me, not that I was broken. But if I wanted the kind of healthy relationship I was looking for, I had to start within and go within to do the work. And that's what the show is about is giving practical tips to really change those relationships without waiting for somebody else to change. We do it ourselves. It's really empowering that way. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. 
And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Yeah. And I could see how that would really, if you did that and accepted yourself, that you would be in a better place for intimacy in the first place. Yeah. And and knowing that accepting ourselves can change and fluctuate depending on how we feel about ourselves. And that's okay. And it's just, are we progressing in a forward fashion versus kind of getting stuck in that place? Because when we show up healthier as a person, we're bringing half to that relationship or whatever that dynamic you're into. You're bringing your healthiest part. And it's the best chance we got at having those healthy connections. That makes perfect sense. What steps do you advise couples where they feel like they aren't connected? What do you have some practical tips for what they can do to try to bring that about? Yeah. So start by just having a conversation with one another. And that can feel like, you know, landmines because you're worried, hey, if I bring this up or is my partner going to personalize it and then get defensive and then we're in this constant conflict cycle. But that conversation starts with, hey, I got to share something with you. I just need you to hear me out and then I'll hear what you have to say. But do you have a couple of minutes so that you're letting your partner know, hey, I want to talk about something that's hard. Uh, but I just kind of need you to listen before mm. we discuss. So that way your partner hopefully can sit back and just have a space where you talk and hopefully not personalize and spiral while you say very shortly, don't give a dissertation. <laughs> just <laughs> I'm feeling disconnected. I don't know what it's about. I just want to be closer to you. Maybe I want to feel physically closer. Maybe I want to try things. Maybe I want to feel more intimate or emotional with you, but I don't know how I feel stuck. I care about you, but I'm feeling disconnected. What are your thoughts? Or does that make sense? Whatever it feels kind of for you to walk into, to kind of invite your partner. Now, and realizing like you said that because you needed it. And hopefully your partner will say, yeah, you know, I'm feeling the same way. Or what can I do? Or I mean, what do you suggest? They also may come back defensively and say, yeah, you've been working all the time. Or you're not spending time with me. Or every time I suggest something, you, you know, poo-poo it and push it down and say, no, we're not doing it. So I stopped. That's why you're feeling disconnected. So they could come back mm-hmm. defensively. So when that happens, because that happens a lot, yeah. then we want to say, I hear you. I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm open to working on this. Do you want to work on this with me? Now, you see how I say that. It's real easy to say that and in real time feel like personal, like they're jabbing at you because you are working yeah. all the time. Maybe you're parenting. Maybe you've got like all these things going on. If we're going to be on the same team to collaborate and fix things together, we have to, at times, be that bigger person to say, I'm not going to jump in and swirl around this and then pick this tip for tat. Like One of us has got to step up and say, I'm not jumping onto this merry-go-round. And whoever's listening, wherever you know this is going into, you need to be that person. Do not wait on them. Because the best way you're going to see a dynamic change with communication, conversation, and connection is for you to make a change within yourself. It will naturally flow onto that relationship when you do that. That makes sense. What do you tell couples where they maybe have some things in their past that are kind of like coloring the future? They've talked about them, but they've kind of moved on. But one of the partners keeps bringing them back up. How do you deal with that kind of a situation? 
that's tough, right? Like we're working, we're moving forward. And then you might have that partner. It's like, oh, but remember that right. you did this. And there's some couples bringing up stuff from 20 years ago <laughs> right. that happened. And, you know, the other partner's like, are you kidding? Why can we not let go of this? So right. for the person that, well, let's just say for the partner who is seeing their partner bring so much up, what you'll want to do is say, I hear you. I know that bothered you and I hear you bringing it up, but I feel like we've moved past it. If not, I'm not sure what to do. What do you need from me right now in the mall? And hopefully the partner that keeps bringing up everything in the kitchen sink will say, I don't know, I'm just frustrated. Then we could say, I understand. I hear you. I get frustrated too. What can we do to move forward? And so many times when someone keeps bringing up the stuff, it's because of their own unhealed trauma, their unhealed connection, their unhealed issue with that situation that's actually their responsibility to heal, even if right. it happens to them. So that's when we say, what can I do, partner that's bringing everything up? What can I do to help support you? What do you need from me right. right now? And that way you give that person that brings up everything in the kitchen sink to say, okay, yeah, I need some help around this. Right. So basically they need to work on that because obviously it's still a thorn in their side and they need to address that. I mean, you can be supportive of that, but really it's, it's on them to get past that. Yeah, it is. And for the person that's receiving, absorbing all this, it's hard, right? I mean, because you've been in a long-term relationship and it's like, gosh, when are they going to stop bringing this up? I'm so frustrated. But what I want to encourage them to do is to be honest. It's okay to say, I hurt for you that that still hurts you, um, but I don't know what to do about it. I only want to help you. So Mm -hmm. really letting so much of it roll like water down a duck's back versus like sponging it up and like, oh, here we go again. And then you're on the merry-go-round and then you're in a cycle again. Really, I'm going to say kind of hold the line of let that run down your back and don't absorb that in or feed into that because that would just spin up cycle again. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. So I would love in in talking about this to move on to a topic of talking about sexual boundaries with your partner. That is, it's a tough thing to talk about, but in talking about connecting with your partner, I feel like that is something that really, really is so important. How do you tell people to bring that up? Well, most of us don't know really what a sexual boundary is for us until we're in a situation, right? Whether it was Mm -hmm. a past experience, like, okay, when that happened, I knew I wasn't okay with it. So I'm telling you partner, like, don't do that. That's my boundary. That's my hard like line. But a lot of times it just happens as it pops up. It's like, oh yeah, that didn't feel good. I don't like that. And it can feel like, wait a minute, if I say no, if I say this is my boundary, if I say I don't like this or that doesn't do it for me or I don't want to do this, the fear is, especially for my people pleasers out there, is what are what is my partner going to do? Are they going to say, no, it's always about you or no, that's okay. What about me? What about my needs? Right. And then depending on if you've got a, I'm going to say a really pusher, like one that's like, especially those that have a little bit more of the aggressive flavor or the super assertive, it's like, no, no, what about me? If you have a sexual boundary, you you want to be able to say, hey, this affects me. I don't like it. This is actually a turn off. It doesn't do it for me. I want to do something that I experience pleasure in as well as for you. But there's this real delicate balance between pleasing and meeting your partner's needs and making sure you holding the line on what you feel comfortable for. Right. So what that looks like is knowing what your turn-ons are, but more importantly, knowing what your turn-offs are. Because if we have a turn-off list, we can be like, yeah, when this is, it's a turn-off for me. And, and if your partner's like, well, that's a turn-on. Well, we can probably find another thing that's a turn-on for both of us. Can we explore right. that a little bit? 
What happens when one partner crosses that boundary? Well, it can, depending on, I'm going to say the size of the boundary or the effect that it has on the person because of their experience, it can definitely pull down trust. I say pull down because trust is on this scale of like, you know, one to 10 if we're in some type of relationship dynamic. So when a boundary is crossed, our trust in them goes down at that mm-hmm. moment. And of course, trust and intimacy are connected. So when trust is down, so is intimacy and connection. So your connection to them, the security, the safety that, or the belief that you're safe will go down. And so you have to say, I have to speak up and I have to be able to say, hey, that wasn't okay. Not going to be here for that. That is a violation of my boundary. That's a turnoff. I don't like it. That really makes me uncomfortable. I can't allow you to do that again. That, that can't happen again. And so letting your partner know that is clear. you got to be assertive. And then you have to decide, wait a minute, is it worth being in this dynamic to chance that it happens again? Possibly so, depending on the relationship dynamic. Or is it where you're like, this is so hard to know that I feel disconnected. And I don't want to be in this type of relationship dynamic again with this person. So you have to make an individual choice around that, depending on the complexity of that boundary, depending on how much effect it had on you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it, I think it's very damaging and it's hard to come back from such a thing. I think, you know, depending on the level, like you said, it could be something minor or if it's something bigger. I mean, it's just, just such a wide range there, but it's, there's, there's something has to be done there. Work has to be done because you can't just ignore that. It, intimacy is never going to be as good as it could be if that is still there. Yeah. And if, and if you ignore it and your boundary was crossed, you're going to be left with a ton of resentment and yeah. resentment is anger turned inward. And most of us are really good at stuffing and stacking and stuffing and stacking that resentment up, which mm-hmm. absolutely pushes us away from that connection. So intimacy is down. Trust is down because they're in tandem. And then, like you said, you're not going to get the kind of relationship you want or deserve anyway, because you're full of resentment. And who wants to be around someone that you are so resentful of? Right. Exactly. Do you ever talk about relationships where people are in like a dom-sub relationship? Do you ever give advice about that type of a situation? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot more common than most people realize. Yes. What do you tell people who are just starting such a journey? Well, I would encourage you to do your research, look at all the information out there. Really look, you don't have to have a defined, but look at the actual kind of relationship you want because just saying, oh, I want a dom-sub relationship or I want to be a sub with a dom There is so much variety, range, and fluctuations of the different aspects of that relationship. Really think about, like, I know I'm going to figure out some of it in it, but there's some things ahead of time. What are my boundaries? What are my desires? What am I wanting? Am I wanting full-time? Do I want to play time? Do I want this long-term or short-term? What type of relationship dynamic do I have? Just really exploring, give yourself space to say, hey, maybe I want a little of this. Maybe I want a little of that. Try that. Didn't like that. Can we negotiate this? So there, I think what so many people don't realize is to have relationships, especially those who say with a dom-sub dynamic, communication is everything because we got trust and intimacy. Trust has to be up there on high on the scale. Therefore, the intimacy connection is high on the scale. And the way to get to that is talking, speaking up, and being assertive um, when you are speaking up about what your needs and desires are, while also maintaining whichever role you're playing in that relationship. And I say playing, meaning showing up as. Right, right. Yeah. And I think a lot of the world has the wrong opinion of it. They think that the sub is like being told what's going to happen to them. You know, like they're being dominated. They're being told this is what's going to happen. And it's not like that at all. 
not the not the right way. <laughs> right, right. People don't realize that you mean sub holds all the power, essentially, in the sense yes. of that energy and that dynamic. And you're talking about that complete release of power. It's it's a really incredible dynamic that there's so many myths out there that a lot of people get it wrong, unfortunately. Um, one thing I would encourage people, especially if you're starting out, please make sure that your relationship connection is as healthy as it can be. Not perfect, nobody's is, but make sure that y'all don't have any like, glaring trust issues, any glaring abuse, trauma. Like, do your best to make sure, hey, we feel like we're ready to enter that. Because some people will go into those relationship dynamics or even open relationships, all kind of different dynamics and relationships in order to fix something. Because one partner's wanting it and the other person's like, well, I'll do anything you want to try to fix this issue. And that blows up in so many people's faces. So right. make sure you've done your individual work as an individual and hopefully coming together as a couple or whatever that dynamic looks like that you're bringing your healthiest self. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, some, some areas of the media have not necessarily helped the viewpoint of that, but, <laughs> you know, it helps to talk about it and for people to realize it's not abuse. It's not yeah, like you said, the sub literally holds all the power in the relationship. And on the outside, if you don't know anything about it, it will complete opposite. And some people even think of it as abuse. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, and it's been portrayed that way in situations. Mm. I'm not saying that abuse doesn't happen in any, right. every relationship dynamic. We know it right. happens and can happen. That's mm. why education and consent, every part of the journey is what's really crucial. I think the more people are visible, the more people speak out. And I really appreciate everyone sharing their journeys and what they've gone through, especially on, online. It's helped demystify some of those things as well as, you know, with anything, like we fear what we don't understand. So the more we talk about it, hopefully we can bring that fear down a little bit more and a little bit more understanding and normalization of it. Right. As a, as a sex therapist, what is the most common theme that you see people coming to you for help with? Most common, you know, there's all kinds of things. Probably the, <laughs> the most common that actually sends people, well, that sends people to my virtual doorstep would be a difference in drive or desire within a uh, relationship, right? Sure. There's two different levels of desire. That's enough to cause problems to have them ask for some help. The other one is sexual dysfunction issue. Mm, uh, yeah. of this performance of it not going the way the person wants to for a lot of different reasons. And actually, if they end up on my doorstep, we've already kind of ruled out a medical um, mm. issue. It's more the psychological aspect of it that's bothering them. Okay. Okay. And so what do you find that you tell people that are experiencing that sexual dysfunction? Do you have things you recommend? Do you have procedures you recommend? Or just do they flat out just need therapy? Well, we definitely start with sending them to a doctor and working through any shame that might come up with that of making sure, you know, they have a complete set of labs, making sure there's no issue with hormones or any other type of underlying medical issue. If there's issues with alcohol or drugs or um, any medication side effects. So we screen all that through primary care or urologist, making sure that all the medical end is covered. There's no problem or issue there that it's being sure. addressed and then come into the talk therapy aspect of okay, what the problem is. Where's anxiety playing this? What are the messages you're telling yourself? What messages have been told to you about this? And most important, what are your expectations of yourself? And I spend a lot of time doing education in the sense of, oh, you, you know, that's not really what happens for most women, or, you know, it's not really what happens for a lot of individuals. Like that's, 
that's not the common. So what is portrayed out there across media, TV, online is this certain way of how we're supposed to perform and how we're supposed to show up. And that's just not the reality for a majority of people. And so that's where we say, okay, well, if you, if you're stuck in your head and if you've got a lot of anxiety going on and you're so worried about what, what's going to happen, how in the world can you show up and be present, actually feel the feeling of what you're experiencing in real time. So turning this off, dialing into the body, getting present and really enjoying the physicality of the experience and learning to let go in a safe, secure way. And I feel like, you know, porn has its place and I think it's valuable in some ways. You know, it still is entertainment, but people take it as this is how it should be sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Absolutely. It's a good thing. It's it has its place. It's, you know, an incredible resource for education for so many people in different ways. But there with everything, there's a flip side to it. And yeah. that is mostly put up in our um, our sexual templates of when we we're very young and we grew up, maybe we saw the Playboy or we started watching the porn or we saw the VHS tapes or came across a TV show late at night on Skinamax, uh-huh. like whatever it was, like, oh, we don't consciously at that young age think oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing when I have said, or this is what this person's supposed to be doing, but it seeps in there. And it is subconscious. We don't realize this. We build up this sexual template that is so off. How do we not have more issues with sexual dysfunction and and relationships and issues with sex and how we show up? Because we've not had that opportunity to really challenge that sexual template, which is what I spend most of my days doing. (laughs) Helping people rewire and reframe that. I think that just totally speaks to we are who we are based on what has happened to us, what we've been exposed to, and each generation is going to be different with that. But I just think it's just fascinating that, yeah, you, you, you know, even me, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I, I saw in my dad's workbench, there was a pile of, of magazines. And, you know, it's funny because you don't normally remember such a thing, seeing a pile of magazines, but still to this day, I remember oh, my dad had a pile of magazines in his drawer. And how weird is that, that that's still in my head? But that shows you how we are just shaped, even by these small little things that affect us, our sexuality and our mentality the rest of our lives. Yeah, it does. And and they're attached to that sexual template. And to have that kind of recall shows, like you said, just how powerful it is and how it affects us. And we don't even realize it. Ah, It's kind of mind blowing. (laughs) but that doesn't mean we can't change the way we think about things, which is what I like what you're saying. You know, you can just because that we saw this or saw this or, or saw something, we don't have to take that as, as an absolute. And it's not true necessarily, although we can enjoy it, but that doesn't mean it has to continue to shape us. Not unless we want it to. And that's that power of choice. <laughs> right, right. right. And that's what you're pointing out is that we have, and that's the empowering part of all of this is Mm -hmm. we have the opportunity to change our template to work for us. Maybe anytime before right now, listen to this, we didn't have that power, but now, especially through the work you do, like we have that power to change how we view it. It doesn't take a whole heap of a lot of work. It's not like it takes years of therapy. It doesn't even take therapy to do that. It's just really challenging. And, and saying, like, what do I want? What is my view of intimacy? What's my ideal intimacy? Like, how do I want to show up for myself with pleasure? And then if I want to have any type of relationship or dynamics, how do I want to show up in that way? And what do I want, need, and desire? Right. You mentioned one of the things that you talk about with a common thing and people come to you about is mismatches in libido. Now, 
what do you tell people about that? Do you tell people to, you know, do you encourage masturbation? Do you encourage sex toys? How do you tell people to navigate the mismatch in their libido, in their relationship? Sure. Well, first of all, it's so normal and happens in almost every, because I don't want to say hundred percent, because, you know, <laughs> somebody's out there going, no, 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 Dr. Chris. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, most, so we can say it this way, in almost every, I say, long-term relationship, happens at some point within that relationship. Somebody's going to want sex more than the other person. I mean, we're human beings. And depending on those relationship dynamics, depending on what the needs are, the desires are, it's going to be different. So versus like, oh my gosh, there's a mismatched libido. Just say, oh yeah, because we're human. Do I want to do something about it? So then it's what type of needs do I have? What type of needs do they have? If it's your partner that's got a higher sexual drive and say going like kind of poking at you daily going, hey, hey, can you get me off? Hey, I'm over here hanging out. And you're like, yeah, no, I've got these a thousand things I have to do. I'm not even thinking about that. It's more right. like, hey, we're going to talk about this. There's nothing wrong with having a sexual, healthy sexual appetite. But right. let's look at this as a buffet. And every single one of us in, well, solo or in a relationship, we need a sexual buffet. Just like we have, you know, buffet restaurants, if you're into that thing or not. <laughs> and we, they're good. They're sometimes really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was raised in the South, so we have plenty of buffets. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, for our sexual buffet, it's really that. It's having options for ourselves and our relationship of how to get those needs and desires met. That doesn't just solo mean have to be this certain type of, let's just say, sex or penetrative sex. It's saying, right. what can I do to receive pleasure that, Maybe this time I want this and the other time I don't. Same thing with buffet. Maybe I want a little bit of this. I'll come back maybe for that or I'm not even feeling that today. When you have a, a couple of things you can pull from, whether it's masturbation, whether it's mutual masturbation, whether it's toys, whether it's experiences, whether it's different types and acts of sex, whether it's different places in the, your, your house and where you have sex or different right. times of the day. Like there's so many different options. And I think it's in long-term relationships because they can get monotonous and boring. Again, totally normal. So mm-hmm. having a buffet is like, okay, what do we want to choose from? Your partners are poking you going, oh, I need to get off. You're like, oh, okay, you know what? I gave you a blowjob. I'm not down for actually having penetrative sex right now, but I'll help you get off. That's good. Or you know what? No, I can't. Why don't you go take care of business yourself? We'll catch up later. So there's a way, depending on your relationship dynamic, there's a way to talk this out and look at options versus feeling like all this pressure you have to perform that. You have to say no. You have to say yes because you don't want your partner to be upset. Your partner right. has this need and you're there to fulfill the need. And so, so much can go. And that's where resentments, resentment starts. Right. And if, if that happens, it can definitely pull away a relationship and the connection. So it's saying like, what kind of options do you have? And not judge one another. This is the hardest. Not to judge one another for having a difference. Not to judge them for having a higher sex drive and not to judge them for having a lower one because there can be I mean we don't even have enough time today to go to all the factors <laughs> that right. that really affect our libidos and our drives there's so many so we can't just say oh we're like absolute people we either have drive or not drive that's just not how it works and it right. fluctuates even within a given day so the communication is what's crucial with this and not compromising but collaborating on what works best and give each other grace and space to kind of work that out without personalizing it. That's where our sexual template has to be in a healthy space. Because if not, we can real quick to say, what's me? I'm not desirable. I'm the problem. I can even like show up for my partner the way they want me to. I'm the problem. And then, then we're in a spiral again with shame. Right. 
And I think the problem can come is when people are judging rather than accepting and, you know, not allowing, like you said, grace, you know, if, if you're going to sit there and judge your, say one person has a higher libido than the other, if you're going to be like, oh, well, they're just off doing that again, they're kind of a freak, you know, like, well, that's mm-hmm. not going to help. <laughs> right off the bat, you're already kind of screwed there, you know? Yes, you're exactly right. And think about what you just said. I really love that you said, you know, that we're judging versus accepting. When we look at this idea of accepting, accepting that they're off doing that thing, uh, that means that for ourselves, we're thinking acceptance means I'm okay with it, which I'm not. I, you know, I'm okay. This is going to happen the rest of our life, which you won't be. So it's all these preconceived ideas of what acceptance means. It can feel right. very, you know, make it very final or permanent. And I want to just say, like, let's take this idea of acceptance that you just talked about and say, like, I just accept that's where they're at at this moment in time. And I'm where I'm at this moment in time. And I know that might take a little bit of extra uh, like emotional space to say that because it's really, it's a lot easier to just get mad and resent. Mm-hmm. But also if we're working our butts off to have a healthy relationship, again, we're responsible for how we show up. So I love this idea of acceptance versus judging and knowing that acceptance is just acceptance where it's at now at this moment in time and season we're in. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where a lot of relationships trip up where, you know, and and also maybe they feel some guilt. I'm not, I'm not what they want, but again, it goes back to what you say in your whole scheme here of fixing yourself first. You know, do you have to be something that fulfills them every time? Great question. Absolutely not. Because nobody can do that. Right. But we we don't think of it that way because we think I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be this person's everything all the time. And depending on how we're raised, think about how I was raised in the South, conservative Christian, good girl, people pleaser. Right? No, you didn't say no. You said yes. You tried to make the other person happy. You served. Like all right. those things set me up to have a, when it comes and transferred the sexual template to not know what I wanted, need or desire to say yes at times when I didn't think I could say no, or if I said no, it wasn't really hurt anyway. And that not knowing that deserved to show that 50% and get my pleasure needs met just as much as that other person or that I was using physical intimacy in order to get emotional intimacy. I Mm. felt that's how it went. And so Mm. I ended up saying, why am I not fulfilled? Because the emotional intimacy was not fulfilled in that space. So, you know, you can be left with a lot of longing if you don't really dial in and pay attention to what you want, your needs and desires are. And that's nothing to do with the other person. Right. That is such a good point. <laughs> and people get, I think people get all lost in all that and they're just confused and they, but yeah, if you know yourself first and accept yourself first and go at it with an open mind and be like, okay, I'm going to be generous. And, you know, we are together, but we're still separate and our needs are separate. But just because he has needs or she has needs that are outside of mine does not mean that we can't be together. Absolutely. The healthiest relationships are those that have two individuals that are showing up as their healthiest self. Individual hobby, hobbies, desires, needs, things that interest them. They've not become this codependent right. um, mix blob of a couple because then, you know, you really can't grow because you're so stuck in that space. And navigating those needs that might be outside of what the other person could deliver on, which is, which is all based in trust, security, and honesty. It's huge. We can't say, oh, okay, well, I've got a need. I'm going to go out and do something and not talk to my partner about it. And that's not all right either. Like a whole host of other issues that come up. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that brings up a point. I'd love to talk about your free quiz where you talk about how well do you know your needs? Now, are those intimacy needs, relationship needs, sexual needs, which needs are addressed in that? Well, actually, all 12 of the types of intimacy needs are addressed. So that's that's physical intimacy, a.k.a. some types of sex, emotional intimacy, communication intimacy. So we have these different needs. And most of the time, we don't even know what those needs are because we just like cycling through life. Look, I I mean, I do this all day, so I'm pretty dialed into it because of the people I get Mm. to work with. But on the norm, like people don't just wake up and know what these needs are. So the quiz is to help you figure out, okay, where am I at in knowing what my needs are? And this is a quiz that for women. And then for my guys, I have a sexual self-esteem quiz because sexual self-esteem is a real issue for many men and other people. So going through that quiz can help you figure out kind of where, where am I at on that range with healthy sexual self-esteem? That's so interesting because I just had an interview with an interesting author. And one of the things we were talking about was how much with people with penises, men, males, masculine people, whatever you want to say, their sexuality is tied to their penis. And so whenever there's any sort of dysfunction there, it's just kind of global for them. Yes, because it means, air quotes, all these things about them and the masculinity and and what's normal, what's not normal, how they're expected to show up. And all that starts back, as you know, in that sexual template of being a young person. Mm -hmm. All of those messages and experiences add to that. Right. And I feel like for some people, because I, you know, I online, I get some people talking to me and DMs are asking questions and some of them feel threatened by like sex toys, feel like they're going to be replaced by a sex toy. And, you know, that's completely impossible, but yet they have this fear and they think, well, if I can't do it with my penis and I must be lesser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That is so common. It's scary how common that is. I say scary yeah. because it is not true. I don't know how, how else to say it that, um, Toys are meant to enhance and add to the experience, not replace. Now, there may be other issues going on that might be considered a replacement in there for you, but it's not anything to do with your penis, meaning it's probably how you're showing up because we know a majority of uh, people, you know, they have, they enjoy stimulation in, in different kinds of ways. And that external stimulus is really powerful. And a lot of times that can't be achieved by just if we would say, you know, you know, vaginal sex and penetration alone is not going to give that kind of stimulation. Right. So it's add-on accessories that only make things better, not worse. And so there's a deeper issue for individuals that see that. And a lot of times it can be a past experience. It may have been with a partner who had maybe even said something wow. about mm-hmm. that vibrator being better than you. So, I mean, there are messages do come from places. And so we don't discount those experiences, those messages that were told to us and really bring them to light when we're reframing that sexual template. Right. And, you know, in reality, too, someone may have said, oh, this toy gets me off. And the male partner, the person with the penis may have taken that as I'm not good enough. Whereas, no, it really was more portrayed as this is what gets me off. More like a statement. This is mm-hmm. this is what does it for me, not meaning to be an insult to the other person. It's just a fact of their body. And I think that's something hard for people to navigate to where they're talking about different toys and this does it for me and that doesn't. And for the for the other partner to translate that into some sort of insult or critique is is oh, so delicate. And, and how do you like navigate that? Yeah, it is. It is delicate and it, it can really disrupt someone's sexual self-esteem. So, so what we do is we say, okay, why are you making it about you? Did they say they don't want to be with you? 
Do they say they don't right. like having this experience with you? If they haven't said that or you ask them, do you like being with you? are like, yeah, I love being with you. Take it what it is. Don't personalize or make it more than it has to be. Right. And then we can typically trace, all right, where else are you struggling with confidence? Because it ain't just here. Like there's right. something else that you're questioning or that you're feeling discomfort with. Not just that because it comes from somewhere. Right. And, and I feel like in that kind of situation, the best way to talk about it is, isn't it just about pleasure for both partners, not about who does what, when, where, and why? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's, that should be the focus. The focus should be what's going to get you off, what's going to pleasure you, not, oh, you like that. Well, then that must mean you don't like something I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking that, that pleasure as the journey versus the end product, right? That we're saying, yeah. let's go on this journey of feeling good and remove the pressure of having to reach this place. When all the energy is put on trying to get to an ending, which takes us out of the current moment and the pleasure we're experiencing in real time. Very true. I mean, you know, I believe too, sex is the journey. It is, it's the entire journey, even from when you're not even in the bed yet and you're not naked. You're not, it begins way before you're even thinking, hey, let's have sex. Yes, absolutely. Foreplay is a wonderful thing. And it, like you said, it starts way before the bedroom or wherever you're having sex. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a goal for people and it's hard because everybody has their hangups and everybody has their past experiences and then they have their doubts and their fears. So it's it's definitely hard to navigate, but I can see how just empowering yourself, like you say, in what you want, do believe and, and valuing each other as valuable and empowered on your own come together much better. Absolutely. It's really the only way. There's not like another option. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So what do you tell people, like say there's a couple that has mental illness in their relationship, that adds a whole nother layer to sexuality that I think is just, I mean, it's sort of, it's kind of mind blowing. How, how, how do people navigate that? Well, you're right, especially when it comes, I mean, there's a whole host of mental health issues, but if we just look at anxiety, like generalized anxiety disorder, or Mm. we look at depression, like major depressive disorder, or bipolar, different types of mood disorders affect how we show up and they affect our libido, especially medications or side effects of medications. And it's really for the person experiencing it, for their partner, it can feel like they don't want me. They're not turned on no matter what I do. They're not initiating. And it can be due to anxiety, medication, what's happening within the body, because so much of that is regulated by hormones and chemicals and and Mm. all the neurotransmitters really affects that. It's not just an on, off, I'm turned on or I'm turned off. Like There is so much of a range in there. And it's important to not personalize and to say, can I do anything to support you? What do you need from me? What can I do to help make things easier for you right now? Versus saying, you don't ever initiate. What's wrong with you? Am I not enough? And saying that only hurts. I have some people that follow me that talk about, and this one, I really struggle trying to think of ideas. I constantly am giving him ideas. I'm not a trained sex therapist. You know, I've learned quite a bit. Uh, And his wife has a lung issue where having sex and breathing hard is, she doesn't like it. She doesn't like the way it feels. Yet, yet he still has a libido. It's like, what kind of, what can they even do? I mean, cause that's a physical block. Yeah. It's a very real physical block. That is a medical issue. So, you know, one thing to look at is, you know, if, what can she do to experience pleasure that does feel good for her right now? Can we put more energy into that? Because I'm sure a big part of him and for many individuals is 
so much of their pleasure comes from seeing their partner receive pleasure, right? That's why we look at kind of quality versus quantity when it comes to number of times of sex versus the quality of sex and enjoyment Mm -hmm. for both or how many people are involved. In this situation, it's what does she like? What is a term for? What does she like having when it comes to sexual experiences? Can we do more of that? It doesn't mean that the way maybe he wants sex that she's not into as much is totally off the table if she's still okay with it. Or when we take care of her and making sure she's feeling good, she's definitely going to be more apt to take care of you and please you. It's this give and take, as well as helping her feel a little bit more empowered and her not feel, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Is he going to go do something else? Like all the things that run through our head, we Mm. don't feel like we're enough. Right, right. Yeah, and it's kind of sad because, you know, really some lung issues you can't get over. But if you can find a way to navigate that and yeah, like you said, focus on pleasure, you know, maybe pleasure is something different now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Hey, there, Ruin, there's your sexual buffet right there, right? We got to beat some different <laughs> things on there so we can pick from them as we go along and keep building it. Absolutely. So what about sex changes across our lifespan? And and I know that this, we were talking a little bit about this, you know, the cycling based on, you know, hormones, based on what's going on in life. How do you, as a couple, figure out how to accept that this is, this is a real thing and not look back on the past and be like, well, you used to do this or you didn't used to do this and have that color your future and your present. Yeah, it, it's really common. First of all, is that understanding, right, that things do change. And if you've got one person resisting that change, they may be keeping pointing the finger back. So you may have to tell them, actually, you're not showing up the same way you used to either. Like you used to bring me flowers or you used to, mm-hmm, do, right. you used to spend like 20 minutes on foreplay. That's not happening, but I'm not judging you for that. So let's talk about what we want it to look like now going forward. Again, the sexual buffet part of it, like if we keep looking at what things used to be and comparing it to that, we're never going to be able to move forward. So if we do choose to stay together, we both have to collaborate and say, what do we want to build going forward to look like versus what you should look like in the past? If there was something that you or both of you used to do in the past that was really hot, you really enjoyed and liked it. Can you take any aspects of that and put it into the now? It can look different, but can you take parts of it if you can't even take the whole situation or experience, whatever that it was? So there's still a way to have that connection. The other part of this is if that is happening and you got one partner saying, you don't do this this way, you used to do this, or you always initiated, there's probably a disconnection when it comes to emotional intimacy. The partner that's doing the pointing might not feel safe. They may not feel appreciated. They may not feel like they're being heard. They may feel like they're doing all this taken care of in different ways and not feeling acknowledged or really seen. Mm -hmm. So that's a part of emotional intimacy that I would also want to take a look at. Like, are you actually validating this person for showing up and for actually wanting and desiring you too? So when you do that, they're getting there and it might not come out that I'm going to say clean, obvious. That person may not say, oh, I don't feel like you appreciate me, but that's a lot of times what it is. Yeah, that brings up a question for me too about initiation. Some couples think, you know, in some couples, you know, one partner always initiates and other com- other com- other couples, they take turns. Why do so many people get hung up on the initiation being an issue? Well, it's this expectation that that we think that our partner is supposed to want and desire sex the same way and the mm-hmm. same frequency that we do. So it's, right. it's unrealistic expectation. There's that part of it. But the other, so like if they, I want them and I initiate, why do they not want it me? The right. other part of this is like, we also want to feel wanted. When yeah. someone initiates mm-hmm. sex with you, 
you feel like, oh, I feel desired. I feel wanted. I feel like right. this person wants to physically be with me. And who doesn't want to feel that way? Right. And and I think that's a big issue when it comes to it. It's like, wait a minute, you know, what if I use those words? What if I said, I want to feel desired? So when you initiate, I feel desired that you want me versus you never initiate. So when right. you turn it back to yourself and say, hey, this is why I say this, you're part of like, oh, always make me feel like that. I didn't know I wasn't helping you feel that way. So then right. you can have a new conversation and build that emotional intimacy, which is going to bring more physical intimacy. That makes sense. Yes. And I think for some people that have a hard time initiating that based on maybe the way they grew up or whatever, it'll be something that they really just need to work on to break through. Yeah. Or growing up or even a bad negative or bad negative <laughs> experience, a negative sexual oh, experience yeah. before mm-hmm. you could have been said, Hey, you look funny when you try to initiate, or that's not a turn on when you do that. And so again, right. those messages get into our sexual template and then it really blocks us. And we have these intimacy blocks that get in the way of how we show up. Right. Exactly. I would love to talk about orgasms for a little bit. Now you always hear people talk about, there's so many different kinds of orgasms. I've seen articles. There's 11 types of orgasms. There's 15, there's three. What's your take on that? There are different types of orgasms, absolutely. And again, they don't teach us this. Like we just kind of, (laughs) some of us figured out, some of us do not. And Mm -hmm. depending on how you're wired, depending on how your expression is, depending on how you show up, depending on how you feel about your sexual self, you might experience different types of orgasms. And, you know, you can learn to have different experiences with orgasms. And so it's really your own interest and what you want to experience and go after and and feel. Now, I know that sounds super simple, but you, you want to learn to experience that. But it all starts with how do you like to feel pleasure? And that's where we have to do homework fixing ourselves in the sense of exploring <laughs> ourselves and how can we, it's so backwards, right? Or I feel like it's backwards because we're expected to tell a partner, oh, here's what I like. Cause they'll say, well, what do you like? What turns you on? Yeah. And we're, we're, they're going, I don't know, because we haven't first of all thought about it or yes. if we did, it was so silent, secretive. Like we don't tell anyone, you're not supposed to right. talk about it. And it can, like, wait a minute. Yeah. Very taboo. So exploring that, and and what I want to encourage people, like, you know, what's definitely with masturbation, you know, what touch feels good, you know, what position you're in that feels good, you know, exactly where your hand is, or the tempo or the rhythm or what you like around you. What's wrong with sharing that with our partners to help them out a little bit? Hey, no, can you move over this way? Or I like it when your hand's here. No, I require this and that. I know it takes a level of confidence that I hope you feel safe in the relationship to do that. That's how we teach our partners how to please us. There's not a guide. There's not a learning manual. Like we figure it out and share it with them or show them and demonstrate it. Right. And I think this is where sex toys come in huge. If you don't know your body, get one (laughs) and play around with it even on your own so that you can understand what's going on. You can form ideas about it. You can figure out a way to communicate it because if you don't know that, hey, you can't communicate something you don't know. Absolutely. So we all have to take that time to explore. And that can be hard. A lot of people are scared of sex toys too. You know, like, oh, you know, I don't want it to get lost in me. Like people have these like weird notions of like, you know, it's not going to get lost in there. <laughs> it's not like this big of It's not going to disappear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not going to poof, go somewhere in a corner and not be found. I mean, <laughs> if right. it only got stuck, you go to the, you go to the, you know, emergency room, whatever, but that's not going to, not likely to happen. Right. <laughs> it's just weird views that people have and fears, but I mean, I get it, but 
I mean, I don't know. It's just, why is it so different for someone to go get a massage? Why is that okay, but not to feel pleasure on your sexual organs? And this is where I just think it's weird that people have this separation, you know, and then again, you know, probably is the way they grew up, why they have those opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely, definitely adds to it. And then there's so many myths out there or these stories as teenagers, like, oh, did you know this happened? Or if you did this, this could happen. So much misinformation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. This was so informative and a wonderful discussion. Is there anything else you would like to talk about or your courses or your book? We didn't even talk about your book. Well, yeah, there's all kinds of different ways that I love to serve people. And the quickest way to find those out is on Instagram at Christy underscore Overstreet or my website, DrChristyOverstreet.com. I have the podcast, I have the book and um, online courses. And for, you know, for men, we have the Relationship Survival for Men course to help you get better connection, communication and sex. And for women, we have the Ideal Intimacy Method which is a program, a group coaching intense program where you get to spend three months with me every week working to really build your ideal intimacy with yourself and others. And it'll be opening up once this year in July. So more information can be found on my website about that. But yeah, you've done a great job covering the topics that nobody wants to talk about. So I appreciate it. (laughs) I love that. And, And I will put all of your links down in the podcast notes too. So people can easily access. And let's see, you're also, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, right? Any other Mm -hmm. platforms you'd like to mention? Um, Those are the two main ones. I mean, I hang out on Pinterest a little bit, but besides that, that's about it. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so much for sharing all your amazing knowledge with with my audience. And I'm just really excited that we get this out there in the world. It's just huge information that can really help people. So thank you so much. Thank you for the work you do. and, And I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I'm excited you're here. I hope you learned something. I really felt like I learned a lot from chatting with Christy, and I just know she has so much to share on her podcast also. So check her out, Fix Yourself First podcast. And I was also on her podcast. You can check that out. I was a guest on her podcast, and we talked about how erotica helps you in your own sexuality. So I was recently a guest on her show. And I will put the links to that down in the podcast notes so that you can listen to her and I on her show. I will put my links down in the podcast notes as well as Christie's. And I hope you check out my new books. I have several on the market. I'm going to put them all down in the podcast notes and check out my store if you want to wear, oh, fuck yeah, on your shirt, on your chest. You too can be sassy, saucy and wear, oh, fuck yeah, on your shirt. So much fun. Check out my new books, Ruins, Beach Getaway, and Never Say Never Swing, two erotica pieces that are out in the world, two erotica books. I have a lot of books and more are coming, so stay tuned and check out my audiobooks on Amazon as well. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you have a sexy fucking day. Love ya.
Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.